Hello and welcome to Someone Should Make This, a show where we do the hard part of coming up with great video game ideas and offer them up to the world. My name is Danish. My name is Jeff. And I'm Matt, and I was voted least likely to succeed. Is that true? Or did you have any titles? No, I don't think I did get a title. Uh, I don't think or, I did either. Or accolade, if you will. Uh, <laughs> did you guys... Actually, this is a good question. Did you guys get anything? No. No. I had... My class size was just under 300, and there were maybe like 20 things that they gave out, so it wasn't even getting close. My name's Matt, and I'm voted most laid back, because I don't have to do shit this episode. You guys want to know why? Why is that? Because <laughs> I bailed you out the last two episodes, and last time... I made a game that happened within the next, like, 24 hours. It's true. That is correct. Uh, we've done it again. The uh, On Twitter, David Pellier, P-E-L-L-E-T-I-E-R. I think that's Pellier, let's say. Um, yeah, tweeted at us saying, uh, there's this game called Peaky Blinders Mastermind by Future Lab that is pretty much exactly... Heist Tactics from episode 59. And uh, we all watched the trailer for this thing. And yeah, uh, we did it again, guys. We did kind of nail it. Um, it's almost one-to-one. You could make the argument yeah, there's a timeline that, at the bottom. that since games yeah. take time to make, they probably had the idea first. But, you know, there's, there's no proof of that. So oh. if, if all my years in business school and watching movies about business people has taught me anything, it's not who thinks of the idea first. It's who goes to market first. And we were at market. Still first. not us. Oh, I see. Weren't well, we? Well, didn't we beat it by like a day? We didn't produce a product, though. No. <laughs> so, uh, Danish, you watched the trailer. What did what did you think? Yeah, there's, so it's exactly what we had talked about. With the t- There's a timeline at the bottom, and certain characters and motions that you sort of program fill up that timeline. Then you can start dragging those around and forward and back in time. And what you're doing is basically planning this heist. In fact, that timeline mechanic is very similar to a puzzle game that I love called Opus Magnum, which is the same sort of thing. You're programming these moves in your assembly line. You're basically programming a machine. But in this case, it's just a choreography. But yeah, it's awesome. I think there's, in the trailer, they showed some really simple puzzles, but I feel like in the game, the potential to extrapolate and create like really complicated puzzles and solutions to get around things, I think that'd be pretty cool. The one thing, so that was one part of the game that we had pitched, but the other part was the on the fly moment. Like you you plan everything and then when when it plays out, shit happens that you couldn't foresee and you have to deal with it. There's no evidence that that's in the game. They haven't really showed that part of it yet. So that's one part. One part maybe they can uh, continue to incorporate in the DLC or something. Yeah, and but, I think. Uh, but yeah, I thought it looked awesome. To to that point, I think it's it's probably like you're trying to sell a game with a trailer. So mm-hmm. to be to right. somehow show that it is like dynamic and random things happen. If that's the case, like I don't know. It's like it's almost not. It's worth hard to show. Yeah, yeah showing yeah. that in the trailer. Same same uh, thing with like the huge cast of characters that like get whittled down depending on what happens that we talked about like you wouldn't be able to show that in a trailer all we saw were what like six or seven characters max so yeah and and they didn't really go into like character abilities either which it's i mean it kind of seems like a no-brainer like um it has to be it looked like one one person could see like vision cones 
of guards. They right. had, that, oh, yeah, they had the little right. kid who could um, pickpocket and fit through small spaces. There was a woman who could distract and like narrow cone of vision. So they were definitely playing yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, I that. that's, 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 that's yeah, great that we cool. made that game. Uh, um, you know, one one more point for someone should make this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. speaking of, of <laughs> making games, uh, my studio is getting ready to drop our first DLC for Remnant on today, if you're listening on Tuesday. Otherwise, it was a day before you're listening. Tuesday. Um, it's on Tuesday. Yes, thank you. Um, ideas are hard. We know this. But uh, yeah, Remnant DLC, it's going to be fucking awesome. I've been playtesting it, and it's got a really killer roguelike survival mode that uh, that it feels very polished. Cool. And I, I actually was just telling Jeff earlier that the game is on Xbox Game Pass, which is still the single best game service that exists right now. Yeah, so there you go. I uh, want to argue cool. with Danish, but it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are there are pages and pages of documentation on how we feel about Xbox Game Pass. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. What else is going on, guys? What else have you been doing to keep yourselves occupied in this uh, week 400 of the pandemic? What have I done? I Me and Danish uh, shared a, a driveway drink the other day. That was fun. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, that was cool. I went for my walk that I tried to do. I don't, not every day, but, um, yeah. And then I kind of walked over there and we had a drink. And I, and I Danish walked past my house and I jumped through the window with an old fashioned in each hand <laughs> and I threw it at him and he caught it and we just kind of yeah. hung out six feet apart drinking. That's awesome. I forgot that you guys were that close together. I do too. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> every once in a while yeah. Danish is like, Hey, you want me to come over? And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh yeah. You're like three blocks away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, you know, it's kind of a peek into our future. This is probably our lives for the foreseeable future. So driveway drinks. Yeah. I'm thinking about just getting shit installed in my driveway because I'm never going to use it again for what it's supposed to be <laughs> yeah. for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I filled up g- gas for the first time in like two months yesterday. It was crazy. Oh yeah. And then the fact that it's so cheap too now, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I was looking at the pump and the state and federal taxes are one third the price of the gas per gallon, which is crazy how cheap that is. This has been Gas Minute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a gas. These, we're, we're your gas guys. we are gas guys. <laughs> Someone should gas this. You can always count on the gas guys. Talk about the Gas Minute. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're out driving, <laughs> if you're out driving and you're like, oh shit, I need gas, just, just load our podcast up real quick, find out what the best gas prices are, go there, get them. Yeah, but you got to like skip ahead because sometimes we talk about other things. <laughs> and also, you got to find the right po- right, right episode because we don't always talk about it every episode either. So. Yeah, this is the first episode of Gas Minute. So this is, from, from now on, we're going to be keeping you up to date on the best gas prices around uh, Texas and Illinois, I guess. Yeah. That's all we really know. Every 60, every 60 episodes or so, we'll, we'll check in <laughs> yeah. on gas prices. Uh, well, I, I, think, I think one of the things kind of going along Danish what you're asking just how we're getting along um we had traded a bunch of YouTube channels that I think are totally worth mentioning um just as as far as uh relaxation and taking your mind off things and um the one that you sent us Matt was uh this guy Luke Toen who does miniature model making um at HO scale for like model trains but he does these 
crazy detailed dioramas and I've been absolutely hooked on them. And I think Dennis, you've been watching them too, right? Yeah. I watched a bunch of them. It's really cool. They're just, you know, he's got a nice, uh, soothing Australian voice that he kind of d- narrates the things he's doing. Could you, could and... you do it? Could you like, do I, what I the, want to, I want the, this is an audio medium. So I feel like you could, you could kind of do an impression of Luke Towen and let our listeners know how great he sounds. All right, I'm going to go. So it's sort of like this. With the parts in place, run a line of glue along the inside edge. The glue is very thin and will wick along, filling in the gaps between the two parts. It only takes about 30 seconds for the parts to adhere to each other, and then we can move on. That was, yeah, that so was a how spot on <laughs> impression, Danish. I cannot yeah. believe how close I mean, got. I've been really practicing it. So. Yeah, I knew Danish was good yeah. at impressions, so I wanted Holy to get it Holy cow. I think that's the first time I've heard you do a voice. I don't know why you don't do it more often. That was incredible. Well, you know, I have to gear up for it. Um, but yeah, that was really cool, really soothing. And uh, some of the ones are just like um, pretty astonishing in terms of the detail and time commitment. And I always kind of go through this arc of, oh, man, I really want to do this. This is so cool. Oh, yeah, I could probably do that. And then no, no, no. I, this guy's way too good. Yeah, but, it's, uh, also buying it's also like, that looks awesome. I should... I should do this because I want to have a little mini, yeah, like guy in a truck sitting sitting by by the water or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. What am I going to do with this? I, have? I don't even have a train set. It's not like I could put this in my town. Well, you don't need a train. Yeah. I would I would argue it's better without. A I train think so. Set. It's too. Just a little cube that just you put on a table somewhere. There's huh. there's um, something that I absolutely love, and it it's it's a primal thing, but I love cutaway views of like rivers and ponds and lakes where you can see under the water and over the water. Oh yeah, that's great. There's there's an itch that that scratches. And and so I would like, if I were to do something like that, I would definitely do like that cutaway, that stream he had with like the trout and stuff inside, like something like that, but like make it crazy, make it sci-fi, put in some robot kits or something, do like a, like a Tales from the Loop spin on it or something. And when you look talking small scale like that, where it's like a small cutout, a little cube of resin, I think it's very doable. I totally feel like I could do something like that. So, similar to that, I've I've been watching this guy. Um, it kind of scratches the same itch, and his name is Ronald Finger. And it's yes. weird because this this guy has. I love that uh, name. I, it's a great name, first of all, and he calls his videos uh, fing- "fingerprint" or something, uh, which is like, yeah, okay. But uh, he only ha- he doesn't have that many videos. But he has a couple videos that have like three million views on him, like a crazy amount for only having a couple dozen videos on his channel. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I watched him like, like it, I, I won't get too far into it because it's like car talk, I guess. But like he he just found mm-hmm. a car, like a just absolute piece of shit car that the owner sold him for a hundred dollars, and over the course of ten episodes has been restoring it, and it's like super satisfying to watch this absolute piece of shit get like cleaned up and fixed and like working. Like, I don't know what it is about that's cool. watching that. Like, it's just like, Oh, this thing's, this thing's absolute garbage. There's rust everywhere. And he's like, he's pretty quick in the editing. Like he doesn't dwell on like, this is how I remove the rust. I mean, he'll tell you that. And then really quickly, you'll see it go from super rusty to like beautiful in like a minute or so. So it's mm-hmm. like this really satisfying instant, gratification thing that you get from this restoration project um the one thing about it is he had to stop 
doing the videos because of the the pandemic. So now there's like one or two more episodes that should be coming out, and I have to wait for them. I, I thought I got in on it oh, right man. as he finished, <laughs> and then it was like episode nine. Oh shit, there's no episode ten. What the fuck? So I can't. Oh, I'm like man. missing that gratification. Mm-hmm. The final thing I'll say about that about that kind of channel uh, to go with those channels is the primitive technology channel. I think we've all seen oh, this yeah. one where. It's the guy that goes out in the middle of his compound in the middle of nowhere in Australia, I think. And he just builds houses, builds huts, and makes fire and kilns, and all using just, you know, sticks and stones and natural items. and items and uh, Yeah, it's really mesmerizing. There's no narration at all. It's all sounds of just the chopping well, and breaking. Did you know about subtitles? Yes, actually, I think you told me this a couple months ago, and I did not yeah. know about this. If you turn on subtitles, he, through text, explains everything he's doing. Wow. I, I, I dig that. I dig that approach. Yeah, because yeah. then it's like, it's it's total, like, thing to have on while you're doing other thing. But if you happen to be paying attention, you can turn on subtitles and, like, see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, that actually brings me to my idea this week. So like Matt had said, we're just going to do me and Jeff this week. Yeah. I'm not um, doing anything. I hopefully, <laughs> I think that you'll, you'll be the key contributor to hearing these ideas fresh and making them special. Yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> um, okay. So my idea kind of builds off this, uh, primitive building, um, idea of like constructing a structure and how you construct that structure varies wildly in what era you're in so that there's the primitive version there's the you know industrial revolution version there's the modern version etc so it's kind of like a game of civilization that way where you're playing through the different ages and your technology is getting better now imagine that uh, you are this one society that's building this thing and then across the you know ocean or maybe far away land there's another society doing the same thing Again, think civilization. There's two of these two of these societies building up, growing. Here's the twist: what you are doing is building giant robots to kill the other civilization. It's a it's an arms race. It's a arms race, but that's specifically building an automaton to do it. I think. Wait, how do we get to robots? <laughs> that that's the twist. Is that what you're building? Your your whole you're society. You're building shit throughout the ages, right? Isn't that what you right, started with? But yeah. Yes, yes. But instead, but your ultimate goal is to actually build a robot to take out the other society. So it's always that thing of like, okay, if I rush and build my robot like, you know, out of sticks and stones, and maybe I can, uh, <laughs> maybe there's some supernatural element that I can, like a stone golem, he can come to life. Maybe that's a or part of it. Or you got to fill it up with, <laughs> with like people. Rats or, or, or people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so if I do that first... And before you do, then I'll have a bit of an advantage. But maybe if you, if you can fight me off, then when you build yours, it'll be this like a steampunk version because you've waited longer. You're going to different technologies, and then your steampunk version will come and attack me. So it's a kind of a it's an arms race of resources and technologies. And at any point, you can attack the other person, but it's always got to be a robot that you build that has AI. So part of the building part of it is actually also teaching it things like teaching it how to attack and how to recognize friend versus enemy and that sort of thing i like it a lot i want (laughs) to i'm stuck i'm just like feeling 
like a pile of sticks up with my villagers and just like letting them figure it out. This reminds me a little bit of the progression we had in our race through time game where you were upgrading a little bit like that. Um, and when you upgraded it changed how you would be racing. Um, only in that sense, is it similar? And so maybe it's, it's, um, I mean, this feels like kind of an RTS style game. It's an, I mean, it's I don't exactly know how you're, you're envisioning, but like, you know, gathering resources, organizing your little community and then putting together this one thing. And then like once the one thing is complete, then it turns into like like a, a brawler or fighting game or something. Um, right. It does. But my the thing that I wanted to focus on is that the brawl is all AI. So you are okay. programming, you're building, you're honing your robot. And then once you let it fight, it's going to fight depending on what you taught it. And so it'll the whole thing the game culminates in a AI versus AI battle that you've built the AI for. I I'm curious. Like, I guess BattleBots. It yeah, like turns into no, BattleBots. It's BattleBots colon Civilization hyphen tactics. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I really dig that. I'm I'm just curious how this like through time gets woven into it because you know if I build a stone golem. And the other the other civilization or the other town is waiting until they go into like the next century. Wouldn't I just kill them with the stone golem and then they never get there? Like how how is that balanced? Is it just well, like a stone golem? I think the the balance is that you're simultaneously building up defenses for yes defenses. So a stone golem is defeatable, and I don't think you would st- send out a stone golem for the purpose of actually like winning on the spot more than you're just trying slowing to slow them down or something. They're yeah, like shock down, troops. Disrupt okay. them. Gotcha. Until it's fucking 3037 and you both have your your Jaegers out there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I guess the, the one question kind of along those lines that Jeff was getting at is, is there a way where you don't always end in the future time? Like you can have a really meaty interesting battle with two steampunk robots and that could be the culmination well yeah because i i and, like like a civilization game you, there are different paths to victory and mm-hmm. i would love to see it where yeah maybe like the first stone golem i make is just to throw against their in battle or embankments and you know disrupt them a little bit but then I'm still like really investing in the Stone Age thing. And maybe the Stone Age thing is immune to like the electrical or the energy weapons that 3307 is going to have. Yeah. Or year, you know, 3307 has. So there's like a, it's, it's more like differences in stats. And then you're, you're still building up. Cause even like way off in the future, you can still make those shock troops, you know, little, um, you know, like sweeper bots going out. And just like throwing themselves against the enemy walls, but here's what I'll say: is like if you make it really, really granular, then it just be do- does become an RTS where you send out different types of units and stuff. Um, which a little bit of that is okay, but I think that I I'd, I'd like it to be this all or nothing. They're building the bomb, we're building the bomb, like that sort of thing, like a cold war. It's got to be like a cold war that that uh, culminates in a robot fight. Yeah, I, I, I almost... so are you is. In most of these games, it's like you're starting off as like one person or a small group of people and you build 
a hut and then you have to expand yeah. off there and like you're kind of you kind of naturally are like okay well we have a little civilization here let's start getting defenses and offenses and shit are uh, i don't I'm think so imagine, think yeah I, so i'm imagining that almost kind of does its own thing and yes, you have a city yeah. that just kind of grows at a static rate maybe yeah I think so you so. don't have to worry about it yeah yeah although defenses i, I think, think right. should still be a thing yeah, I, I think that investing yes. in defenses and then investing in like the research and development and the engineering required for these things is good. I, the thing that falls apart for me is is that if if all that's static and it's it's about building the best robot, like the first half of the game is not going to be a lot of anything because it sounds like the Stone Age stuff wouldn't be competitive against you know once you get to like you know steampunk Renaissance times or something. So I think I, I think it's like an RTS where you are on your own building your economic engine. Well, well yeah, was, that's kind of how RTSs work. Maybe it's like you have a single uh, like robot creating factory, just one. And so mm-hmm. as you upgrade, upgrade that the the robot it's able to spit out is different based on your upgrades or based on your time period, which would probably go hand in hand. Yeah. So it's, I, not, so it's not like you're like the other team is literally making a Jaeger and you're like, ah, I'm going to make 6,000 stone golems because <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe you could, but that's like, you know. Well, I, and, and like, again, like I, I feel like those things would need, what should be competitive on a certain level. Right. Where I know, don't get could why, pass why, are you, why do they have to be just because otherwise it's, it's not interesting to have all the low level stuff because every you know because you're the if the best way to play is it's it's like a weapon balancing right like you don't want everybody using one weapon in an fps you want all of them to feel viable and interesting yeah but the difference is you can use any weapon at any time in most fps's and i I think this is based on like a time progression i don't see like i don't see somebody being stuck in the stone age while somebody else is in the super future unless they're just horrible at the game and then yeah they, it's, they deserve yeah, it's like lose, a normal right? yeah, like a normal rts or a normal civil game of civilization where more or less you are progressing at the same rate but it's more about the choices in your tech trees that then branch you into different specializations okay you know? so so it's it's not so much the time period that's important the time period is is just like a, an arbitrary clock on the game yeah, time um, passes at the same rate for everybody. It's not, it's not yeah. like somebody's going to end up in a different... T- I mean, I guess you could find tech earlier than the other person because you've yeah put more well, stats... you know, going with this tech tree thing, it would be like investing in, like, the magic as opposed to, like, nuclear or fission or whatever. Yeah, yeah and I, I would mean, see that right. as just, like, you know, really early on, it's like you might have a stone golem and you might have a fire golem based on the things that you have found or invested mm-hmm. in. And then later on in the future, it's like this, the, you have flamethrowers and you have cannonball launchers or something, you know, like that right. it changes the way you are progressing in that way. Okay. I'm, I'm sold now on this idea. I think the, the whole magic thing is interesting. I don't think it's, I've ever seen it in a grounded civilization game, obviously, but it's cool because um, there's always an inflection point with technology. Like as soon as they figure out, the steam engine or whatever, then it's like, you know, that's, that's the first huge leap. Um, but magic can like undercut all that. So it seems like magic would come potentially as early as possible, but it'd be cool if magic had a downside of like, 
you can't control it, you know. Or you have or to like, like sacrifice people to, yes. to get magic <laughs> yeah, yeah. power. It's like you can you can make up whatever rules you want with magic, and it becomes this chaotic uh, energy I mean, source. Just that it's kind of interesting. Talking about balancing, you know, having magic be the first tree that's available, but and like you know, those first couple levels on each tree are relatively cheap to buy into to like kind of steer everything. But I think magic should end up being the most expensive, so you could as a strategy spend the whole game investing in that one knowing that you're pouring everything into this one track and you're like really going heavy yeah you the, can min max resource it. stuff yeah because that way it's it's a little bit you more, started, uh, <laughs> i don't know that feels balanced to me but um yeah i mean you can kind of institute crazy a lottery this. in your in your uh, government to handle the sacrifices right, right you yeah to do if, like if all this uh magic infrastructure have you guys played cookie clicker oh hell yeah yeah you remember? It's a good I, game. I don't know how long. It is a good game, and I, I I started playing it like a couple months ago because that's how late to the party I am. Wow! Um, wow! It, to the point where there was Danish was like trying to get me to play it, and I was like, "No, that's fucking stupid. You just make cookies." And then I was like, "One day, let's let's, let's make some cookies." But uh, there, there, you just reminded me. There's like a point in that game where like. You, you know how it goes. At first, you're making one cookie at a time, and then you get you buy something that starts generating more cookies for you, right. and then that just balloons and it goes crazy. One of the things you can buy is grandmas who bake cookies for you, mm-hmm. and yeah, through throughout so the good. progression, <laughs> throughout the progression, it'll be like, oh, the grandmas now have better rolling pins, so they can make twice as many cookies, and now they have this, and now they have that, now they have this thing which also helps your factories produce more cookies and like there's a lot of this weird like integration into the grandmas the more the game goes on Mm -hmm. and at a certain Mm -hmm. point you make a uh a research facility that's just that's just like it (laughs) says uh the research facility will will ran will uh over time generate more upgrades for your cookies and so you do that and at first it's like stuff for grandmas and like these the things that starts unlocking get weirder and weirder and weirder until it's like talking about connections to the hive mind and shit and like while all this has so been going good. on the image of your grandma is getting more and more fucked up until like, she becomes this distorted yeah until she becomes this like massive flesh and like all your grandmas look like aliens <laughs> and weird crazy shit and it's like the game kind of like the gets out of apocalypse. control at that point it's it's and definitely I, got a frog factions sort of twist to it in that way um, yeah, at least bit, narratively, yeah. they almost don't go like they almost don't go far enough because the game never like breaks in any way. Like you keep playing, no. but I do. But the, I the do background, like the, the scenario. cookies. All those things change with that progression too. Like it affects the entire system. It's I, cool. I I like the scenario where you have invested so heavily into the magic golems and shit, <laughs> and like the way you have to like sacrifice people and like. You know, you're invested in the magic now. You don't have any in the technology side of it. So, like, you have to start doing these, like, crazier and crazier things to, like, keep the magic up with uh, technology as technology goes on. What if there's a, uh, what if there's, like, an, a, an equivalent to toxic sludge for magic? So you have to, like, dump this magic waste somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then that, that ground becomes, like, this gateway <laughs> to hell. And, like, it's like you have to manage all these magic problems. <laughs> magic um, problems. Really, you can really leverage cool. the gateway to hell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You start <laughs> hiring the demons on, yeah. and then um, you know your entire livestock market is just chickens to sacrifice. Well, now that now the challenge of the game is making any other option more, more interesting, as interesting <laughs> as the, the magic. But one. I think I, I think you totally no, can. Yeah. Like you know, if like let's let's kind of break this into three sections, right? You have the magic. Let's do steampunk, and then you have the super sci-fi stuff. The super sci-fi stuff you can bring in like 
the multiverse. You can bring in like all sorts of extraterrestrial stuff. You might like forge a singularity and you're working in a black hole and technically all the resources you're getting out are the resources you put in to build it in the beginning of the game. You're like time plucking travel. resources out of time. Right. So like uh, I actually I like one... that being three three chunks, three distinct right. paths uh, over, like overall themes that's pretty cool. Actually. Wait, what are the three? We got magic, we got steampunk, technology. Steampunk. I did steampunk, steampunk and, and then like sci-fi. Tech. I mean, yeah. sci-fi is going to be technology, right? Like, I, I just see yeah, I, both technology. of those are, are technology, but like, I the way I see it is the like sci-fi technology is as outlandish as as magic, the magic, is. and then the steampunk yeah. stuff is like probably the most grounded, where it's a lot of mechanical engineering and it's a lot of like crazy stuff, and so you can get like you get crazy in the Rube Goldberg sense, not well. In you the, totally uh, get the wild wild west spider robot oh yeah your, like, of course final form the superman return spider so, robot. you mean <laughs> so you could have like a stone you know cthulhu-esque world ender versus you know some like swarm of nanobots or yeah. something like that <laughs> you know versus the giant giant spider you know yeah, yeah that's that's cool. a great thing to think of too like um mysterio in far from home where he's got just a cloud of drones and that's the monster is this cloud of drones. It's so cool. Yeah. Well, I think someone should make this. Yeah. yeah someone should this make is that. solid. What you got, Jeff? So <laughs> mine isn't too dissimilar. No, it's completely different. Um, I, so I've been playing monster hunter world again and I'm getting into it. Horde man. Like it is. Yeah. You know, you're late to that party because I've already had my fill. I played when it came out and I got about midway through the master rank stuff. I never finished the story though. And I just about caught up with myself uh, replaying it. I did buy Iceborne. So I have a little bit more runway on this, but it's reminded me of one of my favorite things about this game, which is capturing the monsters and catching the endemic life. So my pitch is Monster Hunter World meets Zoo Tycoon. And there's a little bit of Half-Life oh, Alex inspiration in here. So bad. in in my game, you have the capturing and the the um, endemic life stuff from Monster Hunter World where all the smaller animals, the insects, you know, you're you're laying traps maybe like Metal Gear Solid 5 style to catch. And then there's bigger, crazier creatures that you have to study a little bit, you have to track, and then you have to figure out what kind of trap, what kind of net you would need to catch them. And once you do, it switches over into this this kind of a home base, which is this, you know, makeshift zoo. And uh, to take it to Half-Life Alex real quick, right in the beginning of that game, there's a big jar with a beetle in it, and you can feed the beetle. Oh, it's and called that, a Grub? It's from Half-Life 1? So there you go. You can feed the Grub. And that interaction, it's like the first 10 minutes of the game, was so profound to me. Like, I love that feeling of being able to see something that's that does not exist in nature, but behave in a way and feed it in a way that's so familiar. That was very powerful for me. So, so you I'm, want you want a little bit of pogo or is it bogo? Oh yeah, pogo. Is it bogo? Buy one get one? Maybe hold on. Yeah, I, it's called uh, Bogo. It's an Oculus Quest VR game where you you just you have like this little like weird alien dog thing and you 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 play with it and you like so raise yeah it, I guess. a little bit of that um so i'm envisioning like when you're in this um 
in this home base where you you're building up this zoo and you have all these makeshift cages big and small for all the different creatures you've you've captured um at first their enclosures are empty and you don't know what to feed them and they're gonna start getting hungry and so you keep going out in that monster hunter style to study them and see like okay like this giant you know sludge monster it's always eating these purple flowers so i'm gonna cut some purple flowers and start growing those so i can feed it at I think that's you've probably described like the bad way to do this where you grab an animal first and then you're like oh shit I don't know (laughs) what it eats I better get back out there and figure that out I mean that's the irresponsible way I don't know bad way I think it's the fun way but no you're right like you I I think that maybe some of those things come with studying and tracking each creature before you actually capture it like oh it's going into this meadow because it likes the purple flower so I can use that to not only feed it later but also, I know I can catch it in the meadow by using some sort of like pitfall trap or something in the grass. I like what this a lot. I pitch- play the fuck out of this game. What you're pitching is what the narrative of the game is trying to trying to tell you is the game. When in actuality, you're just killing these monsters. Like the whole yeah, yeah, narrative of your group is like couched in this very <laughs> preservation, like saving the animals. Guys, which it's is, crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's where they're like, nuts. oh shit, a new animal? You got to go kill it. Like, why? What? <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, and that was part uh, of the so inspiration. You're saying, because, no, no, let's make the game that they actually say. Right. Well, again, this is part of the inspiration because in Monster Hunter World, I like catching them more than I like killing them one because it's actually faster to catch harder creatures this way because you just have to wait for them to get worn down enough whereas if you're trying to kill them it ends up taking you like an extra step or two you also skip their their most like enraged form exactly yeah so um so that was definitely definitely a driving factor of me wanting this game because those interactions could be so meaningful and fun Oh yeah, I it the other thing about Monster Hunter this is going back to what Dan said. <laughs> even when you do capture them, you like you get more resources, right? So that you're like incentivized to capture them and then you go back and they're like, "Yeah, we captured it and we did some studies. Here's all their bones." It's like, "Wait. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, we captured it, right?" <laughs> yeah, you captured it, but now I own um, all its teeth and claws. Well, uh, okay, yeah. uh, as a quick Quick aside, Matt, you said you're super into this. You got to play Jurassic Park Evolution. Oh, I know, I want to. It was to. on sale. For, it was on sale for like ten bucks the other yeah. week. Um, yeah, it's it's not exactly like this, but a lot of it it has similar yeah, overtones. Yeah, I mean, of like, it's essentially just taking that zoo tycoon format and yeah. putting the capturing from Monster Hunter into it. So there's no yeah, fighting right. at all. I I think. So here's the thing. It's really fun to fight monsters in Monster Hunter World. So I think there's a place for it, but I think that that, that's not a win state. Maybe that's a for some of the more ferocious ones. And again, this is like getting into the hypocrisy of the Monster Hunter narrative. Like maybe you do have to fight some of them to wear them down. But I I don't know. Like, I don't know if it needs that. No, this because this is like. This is wholesome. I think you're going for wholesome on the level of Animal Crossing, where there is you're not fighting against anything other than your own desires to terraform the fuck out of your island. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I do, I I almost do like this as as sort of a almost n- not Jurassic Park, but that sort of thing where you are given this space and you're trying to turn it into 
maybe a park or something or a preserve and it's your job to go out into the more like wild versions and capture these and bring them back to this this like literal nature preserve and then it's like I, I also want all the trappings of Animal Crossing where I get to like terraform the island and make it like exactly how I want it. And that's oh, and yeah. that is the I goal. Think you is need to just, that, yeah. Yeah, it's to just make it like the place that you want it to be. Cause it's not just like the entire zoo or the entire preserve. It's each individual habitat. Like when you're studying the creatures, you're saying like they like these things, so I'm gonna put these things in there. And I think part of that resource gathering can be or that resource gathering can be part of the whole, you know, quote unquote hunt. I, I kind of envision this other aspect to it too, where you take like Pokemon snap and you make that into like part of the research part of hunting each of these creatures where you're taking photos and maybe when you're out in the wild, you take photos and you can bring those back and you can put them on the enclosure. So you can kind of plan out that way. You're like, Oh, I know I'm going to put this thing in here and this thing in here. Um, I just want to say again, Jurassic World does this um, where it's actually like if you want to create better marketing for your park, you have to go into the pens and like on your Jeep and like take awesome action shots so you can use it for marketing, (laughs) which is I think an awesome thing. But yeah, uh, the Pokemon Snap angle is always super fun. Um, Doing it the way you described where it's part of the actual research, like before you have it is, is, is pretty cool. So it's VR though, right? I think you can do it in both. Like, I think I mean, you can said do... Half-Life Alex is VR. I know. And <laughs> that interaction was so profound because it was in VR. Whereas, like, I don't know. I, th- I think you can I think you can go either way on this one. I, here's you why I have want it both VR. ways. Here's why I want VR. And here is why you liked that scene so much. In that scene, you you have your hands and you have your presence. And you said, oh, there's a little thing here's food. I'm going to grab that food with my hand and shake it. And the thing that you expected to happen actually happened. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. It's like, it's like not a puzzle, right? That you solved by any means, but it was like you put two and two together and you got four and that is cool. But if, if that was in a non VR game, you would go up and you would press a and everything would just like happen or it wouldn't happen because they didn't program it to happen. Yeah. So I think that is like the, I, I to me, that is the most interesting part of this idea is interacting with the creatures that you've found. And like, uh, maybe there's like, I don't know, maybe maybe there's like Pokemon style evolutions based on certain things. And like, I don't know, just like being able to like raise them and interact with them on that level in VR seems super cool to me. And also pushes it a little farther away from uh, the Jurassic Park game mm-hmm. that Dan is just trying to tell us that we're ripping off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, I, Matt, I, I like, I, I was really like right down the middle, 50 50 on it, but I think you've pushed me over because I started getting images in my head of like Sam Neill resting on the Triceratops, of, you know, being in like a, um, like a butterfly garden and just having things land all over you. Like, I think those kinds of things are, are what you're talking Sticking about. Sticking your arm with. in giant mound of poop. <laughs> yeah, being able to sift through it. But on the other the hand... That'd be awesome. So good. But on the other Dude, hand... Dude, you gotta, like, fish out, like... The berries. Random shit. Just, like, yeah. you, you, you just put your hand in, and it's like it's like a gachapon machine, where just something... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that that's, like, your tech tree. I love that. Um, well, the VR thing kind of slows the entire process down, which I think could be important thematically for this to like be about taking your time and being in 
the environment being with these creatures. Um, and the other thing that it does is it brings a physicality to setting up the terraforming the enclosures. So like, you know, in, in the zoo, you go to the, um, you know, like cheetah enclosure and there's like a fallen log and there's like grass and there's a little bit of a hill. And then there's like a little rock, uh, alcove that they can rest underneath and hand placing those or like hand carving those in VR would be pretty cool. Has there been a game where you build a structure, whether it's a, a building or just a town or whatever, and then in VR you walk through it? Does that exist at all in any form? I don't Wait. know, but you're talking about switching from from 2D to VR for different parts of the game. Or like City Builder to VR? Something like that, yeah. Or, yeah, basically city build to VR, but really anything. Like if I could just create your living room into my Animal Crossing world, I'd be there all the time. Yeah. I wouldn't do this podcast <laughs> anymore. Danish, I It seems I think, like kind of a thing that should happen. I think should exist. what you could do is have like the companion app for it. And even if it's like a full, you know, game if it's the exact same game, it's just like a completely different format, like taking your laptop into tablet mode or something. Where it it shifts the control for those simple things. Um, do you remember the like? I think it was SimCity 2000 or something. Was the first time where uh, you can turn it into like an FPS camera and walk around in your city that you built. It's basically the equivalent, the VR equivalent of that is what I want. Yeah, I think you could totally do that, so. and that that also kind of satisfies my both ways approach in the beginning because sometimes the like in this case the zoo planning, the terraforming is a little bit easier to do from that isometric view. Yeah. I mean, and it so can still you, be VR. Like we don't, it doesn't need to go 2d, but it would be a God's eye right, isometric right. down. Dino to rancher. F- Dino rancher. The whole thing is VR. I guess you, yeah, you can go small person. Oh, I don't know. I don't know size, if you can. Right? I'm just saying like Dino rancher oh. is like a, a God's eye view. Yeah. A uh, little like Dino park building. It was very short as far as I know. Um, but if you expanded that out into what Jeff's talking about, mm-hmm. where you can yeah. uh, go walk around your park and interact. You know what game so would have got... been fucking crazy good if it was in VR? What's and that? it was crazy good, but a lot of people didn't accept it. Last Guardian. Is, that, is, there, yeah. is there a PSVR version of that? There, no. Well, there's there's like a demo. There, there's the demo oh, okay. uh, experience, I can't, which was cool. I can't do it. I'll, I'll cry. Oh. I'll straight up cry. <laughs> Why? He doesn't do anything. <laughs> I know. Dude, that game fucking destroyed me at the end. It I got to des- finish it. Destroyed yeah, I, I'm me. Not done with it yet either. It's just been sitting there. It destroyed me to the yeah. point where Kelsey got me the vinyl for like a holiday. And if I listen to that, I get like teared <laughs> up listening to it. It's the most pathetic oh, shit man. in the world. No, I mean, I, I had gotta, the same gotta, thing gotta with Journey. It. Um, cause a friend of mine died or I found out a friend of mine had died when I first started playing journey. So I ended up playing through it like four times in like that first couple weeks and the soundtrack like brings me right back there. So I totally get it. Music does that. Music is powerful. Also smells. Music smells <laughs> are good too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you, smells, you imagine all the zooey smells you could put in a smell vision VR headset for this game? Oh, that'd be good. Like dry grass and dust and leaves poop. and pollen and flowers and well, yeah, I mean all the shit, it. definitely. 
Maybe that's maybe that's what guides you in the poop minigame. This is stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to I want to make a, a dinosaur slash crazy creature park and interact with them and not have to fight them and just have a nice wholesome animal experience. Yeah, sounds good. Someone should make someone it. Someone should make, make it. And that'll do it for this week's episode of Someone Should Make This. You can tweet at us at, at Make This Podcast and uh, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, and if you have comments, a game idea of your own, or think one of our ideas already exists, please email us as someone should make this podcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Mariachi Entertainment System for letting us use their music for our theme song. You can hear more of their music at mariachimes.com. Until next week, we've done the hard part. Now someone should make it. Hey guys, Rocky or Rambo? Ooh, Rocky. Yeah, Rocky. Rocky. Tamagotchi or Virtual Pet? Tamagotchi. I don't even know what Virtual Pet is. It's just a ripoff of Tamagotchi, isn't it? It's it's a little bit different. It lives on your computer and no, you get fuck more that. Control. Chow, uh, the Dreamcast Chow. V- yes, Chow. Oh yeah, yeah, the Chow. <laughs> <laughs>